episode of The Echo with your host, Apollo P.N. Katie Atu. And Jeffrey. And we are here with a very special guest. Please introduce yourself, man. Hello. Uh, my name is Guled. I'm Guled Aral. Um, and thank you for having me here today. Thank you. And uh, you're a member of the ND, ND, NDP Yes, party. I work for the Ontario NDP and I was a candidate in Scarborough Southwest in the um, recent uh, federal election yes. that just wrapped up. And uh, how was it? Yeah. Oh, how was it? Um, yo, like, um, I've been involved with like, the NDP for like a while, like over a decade. Um, and I've done like every other part of a campaign. And this is my first time of like, you know, being a candidate. So it was a bit like, you know, weird seeing my face everywhere. But it was really good. Like, I had a lot of amazing conversations at the door, got to really, um, you know, connect with uh, my community. Um, and uh, that was a very fulfilling experience, I would say. So what drove you to like actually run in the campaign? Like what mm-hmm. was the one thing that you wanted to accomplish? Okay, so here's the funny thing. I hate mm-hmm. politics even though I'm in politics. <laughs> <laughs> but like the thing is like for me is like I always kind of like wanted to, you know, use my life to try to make things better for people mm-hmm. um, and create long-lasting systemic change. And um, like I, I hate politics, but like it's, I, it's, I think it's like one of the best w- um, ways to actually kind of create change in our society. And I'm just in it to beat them at their own game. I read it. So wait, what ends are you from again? Scarborough. <laughs> Shout out to Scarborough. East End. East end. Your best, best side of the city, you know? Okay, let's not get into it. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, um, I respect it that you stand on, but that's yeah, capped, though. Just- <laughs> <laughs> I respect it. I wouldn't say all of that. All right, yo, all I'm trying to say, if you want the best food in the city, you just got to you gotta come to the East, man. Not as the cap. <laughs> yeah, y'all got some good East African food places, though. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Sahans. He's in the East. I just took that in. <laughs> All right. I'm um, glad to have you here. Uh, hoping to tap into get uh, get more of you to our viewers and everything. All right. Uh, glad to know that uh, you're part of politics. You don't like politics. Well, you're trying to beat them at their own game. Exactly. Um, we got some bunch of topics. Uh, get more. Get to know more about you and uh, your ideas and your ideology and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get it. Have that conversation. Let's get it. Yeah. Let's go. All right, so we like to start off our podcast with, you know, talking about some music. Are you into music and everything? Oh, hell yeah. All right, so uh, Thug, a.k.a. I call him Sex, he dropped a... That's his name. <laughs> he yeah, he changed, changed his name. His name. Changed his name. I didn't know that. I changed his name. I call him Sex. So. Yeah. Uh, he dropped a new album this Friday called Punk. Have you got a chance to listen to it? Yeah, I gave it like a one listen. I like it. usually like to, you know, listen to um, albums a few times before mm-hmm. like, you know, really forming my opinion, but I only had time to like only hear it once. Yeah. Um, yo, bro, it's amazing. Like, I think it's definitely one of the best albums of the year so yeah. far. But I mean, I, gotta, I still got to take it in a bit more. Yeah. Um, and I really like how he's doing like something different in hip hop, for sure. Yeah, it's one of uh, I like Thug a lot. I feel like this album, our first listen, uh, one of his better projects that he's put out. Um, and on top of that, it's you know I don't have you listened to I call this is Thug's best song, but it's killed before. Mm-hmm. I feel like he just captured the essence of Killed Before and just put that in like a project and then mm. it's like I just I'm, I fuck with it all the way top to bottom. Yeah, and I kind of like how you kind of combine like hip hop and rock. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Experimental and it was kind of like a chiller vibe then. That's why but, I liked it. Yeah. Instead of like that typical trap like mm. energy. Yeah. No, know, I was for here sure. for it. Even the features were good. Uh, I know Doja Cat was yeah. on there. They got he got Gunna, few, Jay Cole, Jay Cole was on there. Drake, Travis Scott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed by that Drake feature. It was a little he kind of killed the mood of the song because it was Drake being Drake. It was he, he had a sw- oh, oh, it sounds like you're a hater. No, 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 I'm not trying to, <laughs> no, but I'm like it's the way he's saying like. Uh, Do you hate the like boy? Drake. With Jeff around, never. <laughs> no. No, just, I just thought like it's the song's bubbly, mm-hmm. and I thought that Travis killed his verse and with that 
uh, beat and whatnot. But then the switch up, because it was a short song already, and yeah. then they had that beat switch up, which is, I guess, what Drake and Travis Scott does all the time with their, yeah. their uh, songs. But uh, I thought the feature was kind of lazy. He kind of like phoned it in. But well, so? which is kind of funny because like like the features has kind of been like one of the best things that Drake's have done this year. Like mm -hmm. he's been killing it on features this year, and like yeah, this probably wasn't one of his best ones that came out this year, that's for sure. But I, I still like the song. Mm -hmm. And speaking of features, there was also yeah, you mentioned Doja Cat as one of the features. Uh, I think I saw Post Malone. You mentioned yeah. J Cole as well. Mac Miller was on. Mac yeah. Miller, Juice World was Juice there. World, yeah. yeah. By the way, like how many verses does Juice World have in his like? You know what I mean? Like it seems like he's still getting. I, Artists are putting out uh, verses from him. You know? Yeah, I think when he was alive, he recorded a lot of music. Mm -hmm. And I, and the thing about Juice World, I don't think he wrote. So a lot of the stuff you just kind of do off of freestyle and kind of just put things together. Mm -hmm. So he does have a lot of music too. It's like a Juice World vault, I guess. So like I guess so. I guess um, his label's not going to run him dry the same way how um, yep. Victor Victor run uh, pop smoke versus dry. Yeah, that was bad. No, no diss to Victor Victor though. Well, and speaking of like, I guess like big news in like culture I guess we could also talk about the trending squid games yeah which uh, I guess have you guys all watched it 10 out of yep. 10 that's uh, all I'm gonna say I was telling these people like I was watching it before it was cool like you know I was wanted day one on Netflix and then everyone started talking about it it's like yo like I can't even talk about it yet because you haven't watched it you know I'm not trying to spoil it for you yeah yeah they were saying it's one of the most or actually the most successful Netflix launch ever yeah. mm -hmm. so that's a big big shout out to the South Korean uh, movie market Especially since I feel like a lot of Western uh, movies or TV shows are running out of ideas. There's yeah. a lot of remakes. It's the same thing. Same yeah. thing. And I guess that's what made that show super appealing to a lot of people. And now I've, hopefully it's a gateway for more opportunities for the South Korean market. So question, folks. Did you watch with subtitles or no subtitles? I watch anime, so it's subtitles for me all day. Subtitles. No subtitles. <laughs> oh, you watched the dub. Oh, I watched it. Oh, it's terrible. It and oh, it's only because I also watch anime, but I watch anime dub too. Don't come for me. Don't come for me. I'm she's sorry. She's not a real one. I'm sorry. The thing is, the dub does not work the, uh, with the, the actual show because the yeah. English translations do not make sense. And I know. Even the tone. Like no, the you're right. Like um, the Korean language, there's, they use a lot of different exaggerations and yeah. emphasis on different words. And the English translation makes them sound so annoying. I was watching a bit of it. I'm like, wow, it does not. It's not the same. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. They ruined I, it. I, you're ruining it. <laughs> you ruin it. You ruin it. But why do you think, why do you think there was that, um, that show in particular was so like successful? Like what about it? Like elements about it that makes it just go like, wow. So I think two things. I think um, one, it's the very episodic nature of it. Like I think um, you always wanted to see what the next game was. Yeah. And like it took something very simple like basic childhood games and turned it into a very like engaging and thrilling um, set pieces. Mm -hmm. um, but also I think it's kind of like, um, you know, like we're in a world with a lot of inc um, income inequality. Um, capitalism is like something that has, um, you know, more and more people starting to kind of see the failures in. And this is a show that really captures like that pe the desperation that a lot of people are kind of facing and anxiety um, about the economy today. Oh, wow. No, it, re it really brought a, a big change. And like people even started doing some of the games um, on social media in real life. Like you'll see videos of people by the train station, like inside the train stations doing yeah. the, the game. I don't really know what Why that game is called. Why particularly in the train station though? But 
because that's where it happened in the in the show. Yeah, but the game in itself. Is oh, I don't game, know. But. Yo, I don't even know if I, I have no idea. All the games, or even like you know when Thanksgiving happened, everyone was doing that um, the sugar thing, the, the game. I don't even know what it's called, but the ones where like they're the trying to game. Yeah, 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 the honeycomb yeah. game. Like everyone was abusing that game that weekend. But overall, it was a great show. The first few minutes, I was like, oh, this is trash. Um, but after that, it really started to pick up. Yeah, yeah, I agree with your assessment of the show too. I think it captures like the reality and there's a lot of symbolism and whatnot. Um, I saw something, Fox News, hilariously enough, mm-hmm. uh, had a take on Squid Games and they were comparing it to the, the killings in New York and Chicago. Mm-hmm. They were just like, um, I think it was a, f- I didn't know that Fox News had their own like talk shows. Mm-hmm. Like they obviously they have like their, you know, their regular news, but they also have like, I guess, their late night shows. And the host was talking about like, oh, I got to watch Squid Games uh, for the first time and I watched the first episode. But after the first episode, I didn't need to watch it because all I had to do was go outside and see Squid Games, Squid Games in real life and in terms of people killing Crazy. each other. So reaching. Okay, that's yeah, kind yeah, of that's, dark. Yeah. Um, but uh, would you folks actually like participate in something Absolutely like this? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, nah. I would die the first two <laughs> like seconds. Yeah. Yo, I'm not gonna lie. Like, if it was like a, like a bit more money, like a couple billion dollars, like something that yeah, wasn't it like a million I don't won, really know the, like, the China a billion? Yeah, yeah like but like I think the conversion it ended up being like something like forty million dollars, American. Wow. Um, so like <laughs> not I mean, enough money. Yeah, not <laughs> enough money, man. Like, yo, I need like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna risk my life, yo, my kids, 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 kids mm, gotta be eating, you know? Exactly, exactly. I, really, okay. I think there were a lot of cool messages in that show because I feel like for all the people participating, it makes sense why they would participate. Their life is kind of screwed anyway. And if they were to continue their lives, they're going to die anyway. So that's why... No. Well, no, yeah. All of them were going to die anyways. A lot of them just a lot of them were debt. Like the was, main character, he, 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 has, he was going to die yeah. if he continued. He sold his body parts away if he didn't pay off the debt. Yeah. And then Sangwoo as well, essentially. Sangwoo was just going to go to prison. Yeah, that's basically your life over. Basically, they're trying to say is like they either play the game, win all this money, or their life is already going to be trash anyway. Yeah. So take the risk is what they literally did. I was not taking that risk. Um, yeah, it's a no for me still. But Ali wasn't going to like, his <gasps> life wasn't going to. Oh, Spoiler alert. Bro, we had yeah. like three fingers, yo. Ali but, like, was done so dirty. Yeah, Ali, Ali wasn't going to like, he just had it in debt. That's all he was. Because the guy he was working for never paid him. But technically, he would have went to jail if they, or, or died. If he got caught, because remember with the whole um, finger thing with the boss? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, that's an arrest. Well, like, what's, that's not like a death. Isn't that why he ran back to his family and said, y'all get out of here? Okay. Right? All right. Well, like, <laughs> still, I think the show teaches perspective. It's hard for yeah. us. We, it's easy for us to take a stance, but we weren't put in the positions that they were in. It's true. And I don't know. I feel like if I was in that position, I would definitely just go for it. But I think the average Canadian is, fe- uh, is facing debt. In like a yeah. large amount, yes, 100%. So, of course. So 100%. like, I get you could put yourself in that situation, putting yourself like through like a, a game if offer if if offered to you, yeah, to see if you could win some type of money so you could pay off your debt and kind of make your life a little better. I mean, yeah, and also I think it kind of again back to the symbolism, just the idea of the elites, the rich people seeing people as yeah. disposable mm-hmm. and treating it as like comparing the first scene episode of the. Um, of the main character uh, betting on horses to the way that the rich people were betting on human lives. Yeah. And that does symbolize too. It was an entertainment game for them. It like was It was entertaining, yeah. And like the fact that actually like put a value on each person's life, um, yeah. like a monetary value. Which you could say is true in real life, you know? 
That show was messed up. I'm not gonna lie. No, I don't it, know was, how, it was actually I don't know crazy. How, I don't know how I made myself watch it all the way through it because after I seen like mass killing in the first episode, hey yo. I know. And I kept like green lights. You had to watch it to see what happened at the end. That's they kept why I on dying, it. yo. They just kept on dying, and they just kept on getting like the death. The death just got even more sentimental. It's like, damn. Quick question: What are, you, what are your thoughts on Sangwoo? Like in terms of what? Just like as character, because a lot of people are do not like him as a character. Call him a snake for what he did to Ali. He I mean, like snake. he's he's kind of the villain of the show, right? Like. Yep. I mean, he did what he had to do. He did what he had to do. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, he was still a snake, yeah. I don't know. I, my take, little devil's advocate, I just feel like he was just doing what it takes to, to survive the okay, game. Okay, snake. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, I mean, yeah, he did what he had to do, but, like, that doesn't mean that, like, we can't criticize him for that. I mean, like, but I think, like, also, like, it wasn't just him screwing Ali, but, like, just him killing that girl. Um, at the uh, like at the end. Oh, oh right. Yeah. He's like, oh, I put her out of misery. The, yeah. the glassmith is pushing. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But his lo- his reasoning, even at that final scene, for him killing uh, her, his logic was like I he thought that me. her and the main character could would end the game and not get money for everyone. He wanted the money no matter what. Yeah. But that's at the end. He never got the money. Well, because he lost. Yeah, he killed he himself should. actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, he he got, he got beat up anyway. He was about to win. And then and then his friend was like, I can't, I'm going to end the game. It. Yeah. And then he was like, nah. And he stabbed himself yeah. and died. You think he's a changed man after that that whole experience? Yeah. Oh, his hair color changed. Yeah, his hair color changed. <laughs> but he didn't go see his daughter. And to be honest, he won the final bet against the old man because someone oh, yeah. actually did help the old yeah. the old man that, that the was the homeless homo- guy outside. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he also took him a year to kind of get back to who he was after. And having that conversation with the old man and realizing why they did the games and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which was kind of twisted. Do you think they? Do you think or do you want a sequel? If there is nah. a sequel, I'm writing a letter. There's going to be a season two. There has to be a season two. I don't, I don't want one. Me neither. Like I think like shows like that is like, just yeah, perfect standalone. Yeah. And then like you know like it was a really unique like you yeah. know idea and. You don't want to kind of milk it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, South Korean shows are typically like they wrap it up usually, but mm-hmm. be- the Netflix changes that. Like, I guess the Netflix checks, uh, they kind of like, nah, you're going to have a second season. So I, I think it's so successful is. that they're going to f- try to force it. But, like, oh, apparently, like the good. dude that created it, the, sh- uh, the script writer, he said he was dropping it for like 10 years. Yeah, right? it took a really long yeah. time. And then, I, to be honest, if I'm dropping something for 10 years, I don't know if I'm thinking about season two. When they're giving <laughs> you that paycheck, trust me, you're going to start thinking about I don't know. Two. I don't know. Even if you have to, like, wrap it all together real quick and give it to them season two is coming i hope and we'll definitely talk about netflix later on in the show yeah but i guess we can talk about some of the themes that we see in the show into everyday real life Mm -hmm. and i guess to start off we could talk a little bit about you representing the ndp and why you chose the ndp party um so i think that again like there's a lot of systemic issues in our society that we need to kind of create change and i think that um, with the three parties, liberals, conservatives, and NDP, the NDP is the one that actually has better ideas to actually tackle those issues. Um, I, with the conservatives, I think they're kind of taking out, they would take our country um, and our society in the wrong direction and really co- coalesce more power and wealth for the um, richer, um, for the people in our society that already have privilege. Mm-hmm. I think liberals kind of talk to talk, but they don't walk to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, you know, here you, here you have them like talking a lot about indigenous issues and whatnot, but, here, but they're still taking indigenous kids to court. Um, you know, so reconciliation is just a like um, word for them, and not an actual. They don't actually do anything meaningful to really try to tackle um, the issues Indigenous fa- um, kids are facing. Um, so I think with the NDP is that like we like like are more 
um, looking out for the people, looking out for um, the people who are more marginalized in our society and prioritize them when making everyday decisions instead of kind of like just meeting with lobbyists behind the scenes and um, doing what corporations want instead. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about the current state of the NDP? Because obviously the NDP was founded in 1961, Tommy Douglas, and it's transitioned to uh, Jack, Jack Layton, mm -hmm. the, the late Jack Layton, unfortunately. Uh, he was the first NDP leader to be the opposition leader. Mm -hmm. And now to present day NDP with Jagmeet Singh. What do you think of the NDP party as a whole and their place in, in Canada? Yeah, so I mean, it's very hard um, for the NDP federally. Um, and I but I do think that like, you don't necessarily have to be in government to create change. Um, you saw in this pandemic, um, there was a lot of like proposals that were being put up by the Liberal government, but in order to, for to get, um, because it's a minority government, in order to get the NDP support, what Jagmeet said is like, no, you need to be doing better. This is a pandemic. If you want people to stay home safely, they need to have the supports to do that. So they, for instance, CERB was supposed to be about, um, a, uh, $1,000, um, me pushed um, Trudeau to make it to, uh, when it comes to extending employment insurance, um, when it came to um, supports for small businesses, there's mm -hmm. a, there was a lot of substantial changes that the NDP were able to force the Liberals to act on in this pandemic because it was in a minority government. Does it frustrate you though, being part of the NDP that like, you know, you probably would have more support in terms of ideology, progressive thinking, but the problem in Canada politics is, uh, People are either supporting liberal or conservative sometimes because they have to, because they feel like a party like the NDP doesn't have a chance, even though they've been around for a long time. Yeah, strategic voting is uh, something that we always have to contend with. Um, this is why, like you know, we definitely want to push forward for um, change um, of how people get elected, like pushing for proportional representation. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm not gonna blame a voter for trying to make a decision, like to like strive for off something that they would perceive would make the country worse, right? Mostly and identically, identity, identity politics that people play with in terms of when it comes to the conservative and uh, and uh, mm -hmm. liberal stuff. But like I was, I mentioned this in the last episode as well that a lot of our, our minorities from the Caribbean and uh, Im immigrants and yeah. stuff like that, they tend to lean with the liberals, the liberals and the Trudeau government just because uh, Pierre Trudeau brought in a lot father, of our yeah. immigrant family members into this country and it's kind of like they are able to give in a new life just because of what that man's father did. So they kind of have some type of loyalty to that. Yeah. It's, you're battling loyalty, which is kind of tough. I know, it's tough. And that's the thing, like, I mean, I'm never going to blame a voter for making the choice they're going to yeah. make, right? So as, like, in politics, we it's our job to communicate our policies, communicate our vision to the voters and try to convince them um, to vote for us, right? So what more do you think the NDP can do to try to get ahead in, in front of the liberals, uh, mm -hmm. especially trying to get more voters, uh, for example, because we did talk about a lot of people are voting liberals because they feel like they have to, or, or they have this idea that NDP is not going to win anyway, so we might as well all vote liberals mm. instead of conservatives. So what can the NDP do to try to persuade those people? Um, for sure. I think... Uh, but there's no easy answer, and I think like what's gonna work in downtown Toronto is not gonna is gonna be different than what works in Thunder Bay mm -hmm. than what's gonna work in Montreal. So I so there's like no one easy answer for this, but I think a lot more. Um, groundwork and organization needs to be kind of done to kind of connect to communities and meet them where, where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, as well as I think we need to do a better job differentiating ourselves from the liberals. Um, I think a lot of people kind of, because we talk about the same stuff, kind of see us like kind of same-ish, even though there are like substantial differences, especially to get lost in the nuance of how policy gets implemented. So I think like we need to do a better job to kind of create the dark, darker contrast between us and the liberals. Yeah.
Uh, do you think people see nuance though? Sorry? Do you, do you think the average person see nuance? See nuance? No, because that's the thing. Like, you really only have like a couple seconds to grab people's attention yeah. sure. um, to communicate. And like, a lot of these policies are very substantial, very hard to just like put into a single sentence or single, single slogan, right? So it's, um, it's very hard to communicate that nuance, especially in an election cycle where everyone's being bombarded with so many messages. Yeah. Do you think part of the re do you think that's part of the reason why uh, the NDP has turned to TikTok, for example, as a Social strategy media, to yeah. implement some of these policies? Because I have some critiques about. I mean, like it's like this: you gotta base. you gotta meet people where they're at. Like, you get, yeah. like, um, and I think like with some of his texts, like I'm not really that much of a TikTok guy. I think like, um, I think that's like for the generation after me. But I I do think that like you know he has reached millions of people with just very simple, quick, easy videos for him to. Um, produce and that's not taken away from all the other stuff he's doing like the election ads uh, um, news conferences so like it's it's just another way to communicate with people and yeah there's no shame in that I think some of the biggest critiques of the NDP that I personally hear is it, some of the stuff that they're saying seems too good to be true and also the big question is um how are they going to afford this? Execute it, yeah. And how, how, do you, how do you answer that? So a lot of these ideas already are implemented in other countries. These are not like brand new ideas that like we're kind of coming up with. We're looking at best examples across the world and being like, hey, like we can do that here in Canada. Um, in terms of how um, these um, get paid for, it's really about kind of um, like pretty much taxing the rich, right? Like there's, especially in this pandemic, there's been people who've made so much money off the backs of people who are being put onto the streets and um, facing um, unemployment. Um, and like they should be some of the people who help pay for the pandemic recovery. Um, so they're big corporations that pay almost nothing in income tax and the average worker is, um, is contributing a lot more to the tax base than some of these um, wealthy individuals and, corporate and corporations. So I think like, you know, like it's, there's a lot of unevenness in how taxes are collected in our society and we can re reshape that and help fund the social programs that we're talking about. Uh, the reason why businesses get away with uh, income tax is because they have charities that they uh, put their money into. So do you do you think that we should start taxing the rich more? To be honest, as someone that wants to be rich and don't want to get taxed, it's hard for me to answer that question. If I'm in my futurely futuristically thinking, I was just gonna put my money into charity as well. Yeah, but I mean the thing is like a lot of these like systemic issues need to be tackled on a you know broader base and like um, taking like like. Trying to like it's not just even like charities that are the only loopholes like um, that these corporations do. Like there's a lot of like issues with offshore bank accounts and like mm -hmm. hidden money. So like it's 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 not really about like oh they, um, these corporations and wealthy people want to help charities. It's just greed. They want to yeah. put more money in their own pocket exactly. and instead of helping contribute to you know the basic infrastructure that even help them get to wealthy in the first so place. What do you have to say about businesses that you know come up with uh, press releases saying that hey? Uh, we see there's a big issue going on in the minority community and we want to, you know, uh, put X amount of money towards initiatives that help with the community involvement, which they never really explicitly state how they're going to go about it, but they kind of just put something out there and uh, that's their way of giving back and, you know, appeasing the people that con uh, constantly criticize them for not giving back to the community, not, you know, try to bring up initiatives for the inner cities and stuff like that. I mean, like, I think buying PR is something a lot of times corporations do, mm -hmm. but like a lot of times it's not necessarily like the actual um, intention, the, the intentions are not like really um, 
that's not really what their intentions are. Yeah. If they really wanted to like tackle systemic issues, they can just start with their boardrooms and their um, you know CEOs and their executives. Yep. Um, because if they actually really cared about let's say racial equality, then uh, their boardrooms probably should be looking more like Show Canada. Your boardrooms. Yeah. About you know, yep. Another thing is, I think that people just I think buying PR is just enough, and I feel well. I say that just enough from outside looking in because the same way how Canada you know the government uh, say like what's that thing uh, that new holiday that popped out of nowhere uh, recon- recon- reconciliation 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 and truth day it's the same thing I said during truth and reconciliation day? Uh, my fault <laughs> my fault it's okay uh, it's a, that's, that's PR that's the government going like hey man we understand your plight here's a holiday we, under- we recognize you but and then go back into like continue doing what they're doing now the same thing with like let's say um let's let's say like whatever company let's say nike or no nfl for a better example uh the whole colin kaepernick thing they're like you know they took a couple years to come back to the community come back out put the pr press saying that hey we hired jay-z we now have a community uh whatever uh involvement trust fund or going into communities I think PR that is just enough. It's you think like, it's working? No, I. What do you mean it's working? Like it's just that, like you think the people are accepting the it. PR is just enough. It is just enough because once you put out a PR statement saying, "Hey, we're gonna do some work to you know help the inner city," that's just enough. I disagree. It, no, it's just enough. No, it's not. So, so why, 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 <laughs> it's just enough. It's just enough. It, it's so definitely not. We, we just like PR. Okay, so here's no. the thing: the way that systemic racism um, like keeps itself alive yeah. is by. Um, these piecemeal solutions that are not actually addressing the roots of the problem, mm-hmm. right? So, like, when you have, like, a cup, like the NFL, for example, um, who's done a lot to, like, really criticize and, like, undercut the Black Lives Matter movements, um, then do these, like, little things like hire Jay-Z, then, like, um, what's happening is that it just um, takes away... It's like this, like you, you have a you have a tree that's rotting, right? And then instead of actually like taking the tree out by its roots and actually getting rid of that bad tree so it doesn't pop, um, pollute the rest of the forest, you're just cutting off the branches, mm-hmm. right? And then, but 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 if you do that, you still have the rotten tree, you still have the big the problem there, right? Mm-hmm. So like doing these like um, little PR stunts, you're not actually tackling the systemic issues, and in fact, you're just taking away energy and capacity for people to actually tackle the systemic issues. So it, you end up doing more harm than good. Yeah, no. I granted you, what you're saying is facts. You're just saying but that it, the general the audience people are accepting it. Are accepting it? Like, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. So what's so what's the solution then? Burn the whole system down. Start again. <laughs> you know what? I'm joking. It's true because we can't really change a system that was literally built on uh, systemic racism. So exactly. So the thing is, is that like it's like. I like to think about that the system isn't broken. It was built this way. 100%. And I think that we need to first acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's going to be a million different ways to make things better when it comes to tackling these systemic issues. All right. So we got some big issues we need to tackle. Mm -hmm. All right. First thing first is... uh, Affordable housing. Exactly. People have issues with affordable housing. The rent is too damn high. The housing market here in um, Toronto or in Ontario, Southern Ontario, and British Columbia, Southern British Columbia, Vancouver, be exact it's disgusting are, are plagued with foreign investors that don't even live in the country uh granted someone told me that i'm uh, not not trying to get at anybody but like the, the chinese right they they put their money over here because of the uh, the country's so communist right and they have they look at foreign investments in terms of property as a way to store their house in that's why they do stuff like that which i can understand you don't you know you don't want the government 
getting out your pockets. But if that right there is messing up our economy over here, which making it people who live here, who are trying to establish themselves and buy property and have some type of wealth, generational wealth that they can pass on to their family, more harder. That's why the, uh, the housing market here is hot and unaffordable for a lot of people because foreign investors are trying to hide their money offshores over here. So what's the government? Well, obviously. Um, how, all right, let's get back to affordable housing. How can we get there? How can we get there? <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, went on a tangent. Thank, thank you for educating us, though. I'm just, I'm just talking facts. How, how, can facts. We, how can we establish affordable housing with inside a hot market? Because I don't want affordable housing inside Sudbury or Sault Ste. Marie. That is not going to make any sense because majority of the Canadian population live within, I guess, 100 kilometers within the, the southern border of the America. That's where the hot market is. Okay, so I one thing I will say, I think like this whole concept of like foreign ownership of homes is kind of like an app is like it's a distraction from like what some of the actual issues are of housing. Um, I it's, the problem is is that housing is kind of seen as a way to generate wealth rather than a basic human right to um, for people, right? And it that's not something that's unfortunately going to change like anytime soon but like I think like that is what the root cause of the problem is that people are buying homes to make money instead of buying homes to live in mm-hmm. um, so I think one thing that the government needs to do is like actually build housing and not only just housing affordable housing right because like I, I think like every party had a housing policy about like building ho- um, homes but um, I think the NDP was the only one who actually talked about affordable housing and like housing that actually is like like you know geared to your income um, and so, um, something that can actually, um, you know, be able to afford. Because if you build like a million new homes in Toronto and they all ca- run up like a million, two million, like that's not going to make the, the problem any better. You're just actually just giving more investment for people to make money off instead of actually putting homes in, um, putting roofs over people's heads. Um, so yeah, build more housing, build more affordable housing, um, do a lot of things to help um, like um, provide spaces and land for municipalities to be able to zone for homes and housing is definitely what's really needed. Um, and like, yeah, I think um, also just like prioritizing like putting roofs over people's heads instead of developers and helping developers make even more profits. Yeah, I feel like affordable housing is a primary thing that we need to look at, but also like jobs go hand in hand because if people don't have um, jobs that are paying well, then they're not going to be able to afford homes in general. Mm -hmm. So I guess with the society that we live in, the job market with minimum wage, um, what was the NDP's plan for that? I mean, like minimum wage is more of a provincial um, policy, but like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we definitely are for... um, um, better rates of unionization, mm-hmm. um, make it easier to unionize so workers can um, collectively fight for better um, wages, better for vacation time, better benefits. Um, also, like we support a higher minimum wage, obviously. In fact, um, the Nobel, um, Ontario professor won a Nobel Peace Prize last week talking about how raising minimum wage is actually creates economic growth mm-hmm. and is not like um, what the rights would say as of, of, of something that will like make jobs harder to get or people lose jobs. So I think um, definitely like when it comes to employment, like we need to like, you know, have a better um, standard um, for us. And that's something that we always continue to fight for. Do you feel like that? I remember researching this and uh, actually watching videos on this. And I believe back in like the, was it like the 60s or the maybe the 30s? Canada wanted to, you know, had a plan of increasing their population to about 100 million because around that number, that's when, you know, GDP starts to grow at a significant rate. Uh, you're able to do a lot more economic growth in terms of the economic put output of the country. Uh, since our country is at 
is what one of the G20, G7 countries mm-hmm. and we're operating at like significantly uh, decline in terms of population, which is kind of really hurting our GDP and overall economic growth. Do you feel like there should be some type of system in place where we're able to have more of an influx of uh, more immigrants coming to this country so we're able to get to those higher numbers of populations? So we're able to now, I, I guess, uh, um, have like a proper output of uh Economic growth. And stuff yeah, I like mean, that. yeah, like I mean, I'm generally is in are more is in. I'm generally in favor of more immigration. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think like um, Canada. It, one of the biggest things that's like I really love about this country is the fact that we are so diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of going back to like the jobs thing, I think like a lot of like we need to kind of transform our society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to like kind of take preventative measures to kind of really like kind of save the world, especially when it comes to climate change, and like a lot of these issues are not separate they go hand in hand so if we transition away from fossil fuel industries into more green energy jobs we can create a bunch of new jobs for people and increase our economic output right mm-hmm. um, on the topic of affordability another topic I want to talk about is the concept of UBI universal basic income and looking at the the NDP's platform they, they support this Hold and on, um, break the, that down universal yes. basic income so universal basic income it was something actually I learned because of Andrew Yang in the democratic US election and it was something that he pushed and UBI is a concept that was uh, champ- uh, founded by Thomas Paine championed by Martin Luther King Jr and it's the idea that everyone unconditionally gets a basic income for being a citizen of the country and I, for me, the, the idea of that was so interesting to me because the first, the first question you ask with that is like, how can we afford this, right? The idea of, I, they were proposing $1,000 uh, every month uh, for every American citizen and people, including me, were like, how are you gonna afford that? But it's back to the concepts that you were talking about, uh, taxing the rich of corporations like Amazon paying 0% in taxes. It's ridiculous, you know. Um, so I think with, so when it comes to UBI, like I, I think it's a very it's like a very interesting idea. One thing we have to be careful though is that people don't use this as a way to kind of destroy the social safety nets that are already there that help like marginalize people. Because like sometimes people are like, oh yeah, let's just give everyone a thousand dollars, but then take away like um, basic things like employment. Like t- they want to tackle and cut like employment insurance. They want to ta- um, they want to cut um, like welfare it's systems. Like yeah. So like I think like. Um, it, uh, these like a universal program like um, UBI w- is a good idea, but like targeted specific programs to help more marginalized people is something that sh- should not be taken off the table in favor of something like UBI. Yes. What about the concept of uh, when don't oh, the concept of capitalism for me is like people you don't work you don't eat. When do you feel like the you if you're providing people with more income where they're uh, I guess not utilizing their self motivation to go. Well, that is a there. common critique of UBI, and I wanted to say that. The, the, I, hold on, what country has UBI? That's a G twenty. That's, that's a G20 it's funny how you said that. Country. In the United States, hold on, hold on. In, in the G twenty country, hold on. In the United States, I'm just, let me explain. They started it already. No, in the United States, in Alaska, they have a similar concept with, with oil. It's a dividend, and you can look this up. Of two thousand, I believe it's two thousand dollars a month for every Alaskan. And it's basically all the profits that these oil corporations, you know they make money. It's like, where are we going to do, do what are we going to do with all this money? Are we going to just give it to the government where they can fuck it up again? Or are we going to give it directly to the people? And they've done that and it actually works. $2,000 a month is not going to replace work. That's the biggest critique because I feel like a lot of people are saying stuff like, um, oh, like I don't want these lazy bums get, like feeding yeah, off the money. Yeah, That's yeah. not enough money to survive. It's just to support. Um, to barely I, pass by. Yeah, and also on um, the systems, um, I was talking to somebody who, uh, 
he unfortunately, when he was 15 years old, he was working a dangerous job. He fell down and if cracked his head and it kind of fucked him for his entire life because he relied heavily on disability checks, which are not enough. And I feel like UBI can help people like him and oh, so many other people who, they just need enough to survive. And I think that's what what do you mean but also, but also, here's the thing: like, nobody wants to not work, right? Yeah. There are, but like, there are like, like certain people do face certain barriers yeah. in their life, in their like, in their um, condition of like where they are, that might be preventing them from being able to like take on like certain other things. But like, no one should starve. Like, we we live in a like we okay. live as a society. We should be a collective to make sure that like we don't have anybody not being able to eat, right? So I think like. If somebody, if so like, if somebody is like doesn't want to work, there's probably a, there's probably a systemic reason because of that, and that's what we should be tackling instead of trying to say like, hey, if you're not gonna work, like, you know, you you can go starve on the streets, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people who don't want to work though. But I don't think it's I don't think it's anyone that doesn't want to work. There might be conditions preventing them. You're from saying for like people who working. don't have money in general, like they're not trying to get up and do. I mean, granted, there are lazy people, hundred yeah, percent. But I'm saying people who don't. But, but, but that, that represents the rest of the people who are trying to and they can't. They literally work. Uh, not, There's every a difference between don't want and can't. Yeah, but you're loop, you're kind of looping them in the same. You're assuming no. that there are people. No, but people, people who like are that. saying like, "Oh, we don't want to give out free money because there are lazy bums who don't want to get up." That's mm -hmm. like taking away from the fact that there are so many other people who genuinely can't ha access all these jobs and don't have enough money for food. Food insecurity should not ex like that shouldn't even be a thing. And the idea yeah. they've done a lot of research around the concept of UBI, and the the thing is, it improves so many people's lives. So people are working their butt off just to pay rent and whatnot, and they can't pursue any other of their extracurricular stuff, which is important because that's the value of life: being able to pursue their their hobbies and be mentally happier. And they've obviously they've done tests. Uh, I know Yang did that a few times with some people that he selected, and it's improved their lives. Like for example, there's a person who's working a nine to five and struggling. Now he has time to uh, perform guitar at a club. You know what I mean? And like those opportunities are not given without a, just a bit of a support. It's not gonna replace work, it's gonna support. Or even like student loans. Like for example, so many people are now, yes, working or working minimum wage jobs or whatever, but all the money that they're getting has to go towards um, the National Student Loan Center. Mm -hmm. And now they're not even able to do little things like whether that's go out and socialize, yes, or even like uh, move out, find a house, uh, food, proper food. Yeah, like, like people are graduating with mortgage side steps and that yeah. sets them far behind in life. And like, especially like, you know, um, back like when our parents were in school, um, then like the amount of price of postgraduate education was like ridiculously lower than yeah. it was today. Now they're just teeth. Like what? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like postgraduate education should be free in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I think that like, hey, listen, this has become the minimum requirement to really participate in the workforce, just like high school was back in the day. So like that's, you shouldn't be creating barriers to preventing people from getting their education. I mean, I th well, I yeah, agree. all right, granted, you know, university ed education was always like um, a barrier for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. But getting a bachelor was just enough. Now, now right now, masters, everyone, masters. Mm -hmm. Now you got to get like a an a, a diploma yeah. on top of the degree that you got already. You got to go get a you know a PhD. You need or, more certification. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or experience. Like, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, with a bachelor's, you can get a manager at McDonald's, then, but. I mean that pays if it pays it pays. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. like I mean, either way, like getting your education, like there shouldn't be like we shouldn't be creating these barriers to preventing people mm -hmm. from you know doing getting more educated to better their lives and to better the lives of everybody. Yeah. More educated society is a better society. You would There's think that, right? Yes. You would think that. <laughs> but a lot of people cheat. Cheat the system. 
Yeah. Oh, speaking of cheating, did you hear the story that like you yeah. know the iOS 15 yeah. update? Where Students <laughs> are now able to cheat on their phones because like they can copy the notes virtually yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool, but um, I wish you know. I, I wish I had that. Right? Low key. But why is that? Why, why is that an issue for them to be able to uh, copy and take uh, copy and paste text from a picture? Because how's that, how's that it's just cheating. Why is cheating bad? Well, no, it, it's actually convenience. I mean it is but I'm saying like obviously it goes back to you're not actually learning the material you're not you know functioning like you're not learning anything it's like you want to you want to be a doctor but you cheat your way throughout medical school because you're copying off of notes and stuff like yeah, that I wouldn't want you're not going to be a good doctor <laughs> to be honest hold on first off if you cheat, you're a doctor and you cheat your way. If you're a lawyer and you cheat your way through like law school, yeah, that's, that's, cheating your that's way through medical school. It'll hey, bro, I'm gonna be honest practice? with you. Whatever you get into, you're you're gonna get hit with malpractice one day or another. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's that's exactly why cheating is bad. So, you better just you know think about what you're cheating in. I mean, granted, yeah, those are the type of skilled labor jobs that you don't wanna you know you wanna know what you're doing. But um, I say that to say this: it's just you know. Students doing that is not like necessarily a bad thing if you're in terms of like copying notes and not necessarily understanding material. But you know, are they really teaching anything that's uh, particularly um, useful for students nowadays? A lot of students have that's to often issue. say that. Why's well, the reason why? Why am I going to school, racking up all this debt, not to learn anything useful to help me out there in the real world? Oh, granted, you know. that's a fair point. I mean, yeah, like there's like a lot of problems with the education system, and yeah, we can go on for days about that. But um, either way, listen, man, if someone wants to call systems to better themselves, love them, you know. Do your thing. <laughs> Do your thing. Yeah. yeah, just don't go to certain hospitals. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and don't hire certain lawyers. That's it. I mean, a cheating lawyer with someone who can actually like you know call the system. I, like that is a quality I want in a lawyer. You know. Yeah. Okay. So you cheat the system, but like, I right, man, I got this serious, um, this serious charge. Are you gonna help me out? Because you don't remember any of You can't so. be cheating your way through those type of things. You actually have to, you know, put in the work. But who knows? What about uh, dental care as well? Dental care is another one. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. like, every we say we like we say we have a universal health care here in Canada, mm -hmm. but like it's not universal. Um, like, I mean, we at the NEP, like, we think healthcare should be covered from head to toe, everything from mental health, dental, vision, you know? Oh. Um, like, the cost, like, like, the cost of your well-being, shouldn't, there shouldn't be a price on that, you know? This is, this is in Squid Games. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, do you think uh, the, word, the word universal was, like, was used as a way to kind of say, no, I want to say this again. We don't have all-encompassing healthcare, but like the fact that they use the word universal, was that just some type of play on words to make it seem like it was something that's going to cover like everyone? Everything? Yeah, instead of all encompassing. Well, I think like first of all, I believe the idea of universal healthcare started by the NDP, mm -hmm. Tommy Douglas, mm -hmm. and it was just the concept that human uh, healthcare should be a human right, and I think that that was something that was that Canada took pride in, even though that was an NDP uh, policy, and they kind of showcased it to the world, but. Realistically, when you look at all the other healthcare systems, we do fall behind, right? A lot, and like because there's been chronic underfunding of our healthcare system by the federal governments, consecutive liberals and conservative federal governments, um, and what's been happening is that like the cost of healthcare care keeps going up, mm -hmm. but the federal government keeps giving the provinces less and less every year to um, so that creates a gap, and then pro and then provinces and hospitals have to kind of make decisions about what kind of care 
and like the levels of staffing that they kind of need to um, make, do to make up for the lack of funding. So that's why I wait like six hours in the exactly room mm. to take just and a it, doctor. Is that the same reason why this whole pandemic has been kicking the medical field's ass? I mean, I think this is why like we've like had um, like such like severe lockdowns here in Canada because our healthcare system wasn't like kind of up to stuff and or the capacity wasn't necessarily there to handle this like um, outbreak yeah these outbreaks like mm -hmm. other countries that were able to handle it so then we had to go into these more severe lockdowns just so the hospital system could keep up and is that why they're forcing the vaccines on people because they're still not going to they're still going to underfund the medical care system um, the, the vaccine passport issue is a whole nother topic <laughs> no, but, but not the vaccine passport I'm just talking more in just like taking the vaccines yeah, in general Vaccine. If they, like what you're saying now, it kind of correlates to what I'm thinking. The conspiracy theory. I'm just saying they're trying to get more of the you know overall population to take the vaccine, right? Just so they can continue to underfund the health care system. It's like, hey man, we gave it to you. You good? Take away the money from the hospital because we try to put it into something else. I mean, I think okay. So Allegedly. politics. Politics is not like house of cards. It's more like Veep. Like there's no like. There's not the competency isn't there for like wide ranging conspiracy stuff like that. So okay. let's just put it that way. I think I think they just don't want people to get COVID. That's why. <laughs> I'm too deep for this. <laughs> He's like you're you're deeping it too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm too deep. It's not that deep. <laughs> but like okay, going back to the issue of um, just like the countries going into debt. I think that's one of the issues as to why um, governments don't want to um, obviously do free uh, health like complete free health care or How's education. Get debt? That's what I really want to know. How does the country get into debt? How are we in a deficit? Like, like who do we owe? Um, <laughs> so I think like you, 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 other countries, other lenders, like banks, like um, monetary policy is a very complex thing and I'm going to be honest that's something I have my full head around. Mm -hmm. um, but I think um what it comes down to it, like a lot of the kind of deficits and debts that Canada's running, it really comes because of the lack of revenue coming in and especially when it comes to like the wealthy people in our society not paying their fair share, right? It's not really about the programs and the money we're spending, but also ultimately, with better and more universal healthcare, you will actually save money because you can tackle costs, uh, um, tackle issues preemptively instead of waiting when it gets to a really bad state and it becomes more expensive to tackle and deal with. Um, in fact, they actually like did, a, um, I think they were trying to do this in Edmonton, but they actually saw it was cheaper to give homeless people, they put people in homes than it was to deal with all the ancillary services that comes around homelessness when it comes to policing, um, hospitals, um, ambulances, all that extra stuff that more. It costs more than it does to just putting somebody in a home. So then it goes back to it's not that we can't afford it, it's just that we don't want to. Exactly. Okay, good to know. I yeah. wanted to go back to like the main reason why you got into politics in general and one of your biggest issues is racial inequality. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on just the current state of Canada when it comes to, especially with, in the light of the recent reconciliation? Man, we're racist, fam. That's it. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Obviously. You want to get into a deep thing? Like, yeah, we're we're racist, that's, that's an easier way to say it. <laughs> um, yo, that's facts. I mean, yeah, like Canada like, like to, talk, to talk about like, oh, we're so diverse, blah, blah, blah. But like, um, did we have um, a severe like systemic issues? And the problem is, is that because we like to pretend we're so progressive, it becomes harder to tackle because it's like um, it's very hidden, you know. Um, and I think like we need to do much better. There. We need to do much better. Like it pisses me off when Trudeau took a knee um, last summer, but then he's done nothing to really tackle systemic like, issues. You're taking a knee for you to stand up and go into office yeah, to do exactly. something. Yeah, who, who are you protesting? <laughs> who are you protesting? No fact. Are you protesting really? yourself? No, that's just me too. That's just me too. I'm not gonna lie. PR is just enough for you people, bro. 
I'm just saying. Let's just do a little. Who's you people? I'm saying. So what? He, he did something last year, and nobody checked him about it. Man took a full knee like people this. People did check him. It's what just a matter wear, of like what, what more can we do. What if he started wearing kente do? cloth? Huh? What, what would you guys say? Huh? I definitely would have been like, what the hell? <laughs> you would have came here with kente cloth. You thought we were going to say, hey, my brother. Like <laughs> To be honest, I would have been surprised. No. Man, oh, yo, if, if Trudeau came in with kente cloth. People would come for hey, him. Hey, let's check this out. If Trudeau came oh, in with, with kente face, cloth. If Trudeau, if Trudeau came in with kente cloth, man's be like, yo, he's for the people. Oh, uh, you don't. I don't know, man. Like, yo, like, you don't I'm, believe me. I mean, there there will be some people who will, you know, some people. Wait, hold on. Didn't Trudeau do like, that in the Indian dances? Remember that? Like, he was like what? wearing like tra- I- traditional Indian clothing, and he was going like to a like, sorry, oh, yeah, no, sorry and he was doing some dances, and it went viral. My, my people from I didn't, my people I didn't from Punjab is going like that. <laughs> they go like that Wait, but like, see again this also says like what the difference is between the NDP and the liberals the liberals just like to play dress up but like the NDP will actually want to tackle the real issues you know well <laughs> I mean he did blackface too how did he get yeah, away with that, that yeah, well, it wasn't different. just blackface man was committed he Nothing was like he got this, the ins behind his ears <laughs> like you know Nothing sticks to this guy this guy is like yeah nothing. Nah, nothing can stick to Trudeau, man. But do you think even, obviously, we live in Canada and, like, all of our previous prime ministers were white men. Um, do you and think one white woman. There's, oh, Campbell. okay, for, like, two seconds. She wasn't even elected. Yeah, was, like, for two seconds. I do remember that. You're right, you're yeah. right. <laughs> My fault, sis. But <laughs> put respect on her name. Yeah, 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 for put two seconds. But, okay, white people, period. Uh, do you think there can ever be a time where a person of color could be elected? Because there's a lot of underlying Canada, um, Canada, systemic Canada, racism. Like, can we, do, you, do you think there's ever going to be a time where a man like Jack Meat Singh will be at the helm of the Canadian politics? Especially because obviously mm. we live in a country where it's very, very racist despite all what we show and, and whatever. So is it possible? I mean, I like to think one day. I, like, I think one big problem is Quebec. Like, I'm going to be totally honest. Yeah. I think um, for them, they somehow confuse their national identity and racism as like like as the same thing so i think like that's an issue that needs to be tackled and handled in some sort of way um and i think that for us like we, honestly like we like again we like to think we're such a diverse country but you leave like one hour outside the gta and you walk to tim hortons he's looking at you like a zoo animal no facts so it's like i don't i don't know i don't know if it's going to happen soon at least i'll say that yeah i saw a statistic during the election that mm-hmm. they were talking about like uh, they did a graph on like the people they trust in leaders and su- even despite all the scandals that trudeau had they uh, trust him more jagmeet singh was more more uh, like le- less trustworthy technically by some people than justin trudeau because if jagmeet was way yeah. there would be a whole different outlook uh, yeah. i think there's a little bit more really uh, well, regardless, I, I, know, some I still people, think if he was white, there'd be a different. I mean, outlook. like white privilege exists yeah. in our society, right? That's yeah. true. And some people are not going to look at a guy with a turban, unfortunately, yeah. and be like, "That's the leader of our Canada." It's because you know what? It, what what can? What's that thing? That saying for the white people, the the wasp, they're white, uh, Anglo-Saxon, and whatever Protestant, right? Oh, that. you come over here, you gotta you gotta uh, look like that, and that's how you. Not to say look like that, but that's what it's kind of like this land that's what built it takes. on. You know, the wasp. I mean, yeah, like I said, the system wasn't just not broken. It was built this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a, actually a quick question, actually. Um, one of the scary things that the progressives see in potential is the rise of alt-right movements across the world. It's very prominent in the United States, obviously. Uh, do you think an alt-right movement could ever exist in Canada? Do you see that? I mean, it's part? called the People's Party of Canada. Yeah. <laughs> 
And yeah, and do you think that they? Uh, they yes, act- Apollo. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> the representative. <laughs> Was there something you like to add? Yeah, your face just kind of went. Ooh. Hey man, well, they were fighting for rights, man. I'm just saying. For whose rights? Yeah, please. Canadian citizens' rights. The hell up. What kind of Canadian citizens, though? To be honest. All be those, honest. All those pictures, there's a lot of a whole lot of white caucasity going on, but I believe uh, they were standing for all Canadian rights in terms of uh, you know, fight, yeah, fight the power. Where I where'd you get that? Are you putting words in my mouth? <laughs> they're, that's what I'm saying. They're just fighting for Canadian rights. You know, they wanted to uphold certain. You know, no, amenities. you just didn't want to take the vaccine, so you said they're. Am I wrong? <laughs> she said that. She said that I didn't want to take the vaccine. I never said that. Anyways. Don't they have anti-immigration views too? The People's Party in Canada, and you support that? No, he he. Do he's, I support the he's for Party immigration, right? To be honest, I'm 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 in the I'm in the middle, like most people. Uh, I you know I have conservative values and a little progressive values, but I want to you know be rich one day. I'm I want I believe in capitalism, but I also know that there's certain things in this going on in the world that uh, you gotta let you know. You also want to help people, right? Did I say that? <laughs> yeah, definitely don't. Did I say that? No, well, no. Like, truth be told, let's go on to the next. Topic. I was trying to hand you like a floaty or something because you're drunk. <laughs> so I see that we so we ran through a list of topics, uh, and um, I believe that we you know we had a good discussion over mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's let end, end things off on um, this note. Jeff, take it away. Well, I guess <laughs> the last topic we have is about the Dave Chappelle special. Yeah, I don't know if any of you guys watched it, uh, but obviously it's caused some. Um, uh, issues in mainstream, especially specifically the LGBT community, and I guess the the conversation about censorship and com- comedy. What are your takes on that? I mean, like, who's being censored? Like, I mean, they, his, his special was like the most watched comedy special on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, no, no one's canceled, right? So I think that like a lot of times, like people are outraged about out being outraged. Like they're picking and choosing to be outraged too? No, I think it's like people are just like angry about the idea of being angry, if that makes oh. sense. So like, I mean, like Dave Chappelle's never gonna be like lose money. He's never gonna like have shows like not go like be sold out. Like mm-hmm. he's always gonna have special people jumping hand over fist to hand him contracts for specials. So like I, this whole idea of like cancel culture is like who's actually being canceled because it's like no one is, right? No one. Yeah, cancel culture uh, uh, can be scolded. toxic. I want to be scolded. I want to be careful in terms of how I express this, but I guess like some of the critiques that people have of the left is the idea that they're very, like, they're basically pussies. That's what they've, in the sense. <laughs> say, say it with your chest, no, Jeff. No, listen. Say it with your chest, say, Jeff. I want to be careful about how I say this, but. <laughs> I'm trying to think you of a better word. Pussies, man. No, it, okay. you did. You that's what, well, that's what they're saying in the sense that this is a perfect example of them crying over the words of Dave Chappelle, who is a comedian, versus focusing on some of the bigger issues. With a, let's stick with the LGBT community, within the LGBTQ community. And I feel like an outcry of them complaining about something like this with Netflix makes other people less sympathetic of the cause of the LGBTQ community. Yo, I'm gonna be honest. I see more people out, out crying over the outcry than the actual outcry. If that makes sense. <laughs> My head is spinning. Outcry I see more outcry about there being outcry rather than is actual outcry. You know. I think the biggest headline is the idea that somebody was fired, an employee from Netflix who 
uh, was trying to uh, speak out against that, and I guess that caught that caused the stir within the LGBTQ saying, saying that why, why Netflix is is supposedly they've talked about how they supported the LGBTQ community, and then they do something like this. That's their their take, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it's just. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Like, do you think that like that kind of so so two things? Like, I think that um, a like again like people are always gonna watch Dave Chappelle, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think like there are some people who had concerns about the fact that like he was kind of pinning black people against um, queer people, right, or LGBTQ community. Um, but like, hey, listen, there are black trans people, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not it's not like two conflicting um, uh, identities. Um, so I just think that like there like this is an issue that like has a lot of nuance in it that like maybe like a comedy show is not the best place to kind of learn or like have discussions mm -hmm. like this. And like and I think like people were kind of expressing like, hey, like there are black trans people that get killed almost every single day because of transphobia mm -hmm. in America and like a lot of times it just like are expressing that there's actual harm that comes from stuff like this, right? So why I don't think people see nuance though. Sorry. I don't think people see nuance. Yeah, they don't, and that's they the problem. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, either you on this side or on that side. You're on that side. And plus, we like we all know comedy to be some sort of not dark humor, but like it always comes from something within pop culture. So like, mm -hmm. it's like now, are we expecting comedians to stop saying all these different things? Like, mm -hmm. is is Kevin Hart gonna automatically stop talking about black women in a certain limelight, or like you know, making all these different jokes? Because all these comedians, I, I don't know all the comedians, but most of the comedians that we know and listen to and laugh at say jokes that are, mm -hmm. you know, either racist or whatever the case is. Yeah, but like, I mean, but no one's canceling them. No one's stopping them from saying it. Like, they're still- We're laughing. We're laughing. We're yeah. laughing at it too. Yeah. But like, I, I just think that sometimes like when people have concerns, they also have their same right to be able to express their it's concerns. It's true, it's right? true, yeah. And sometimes comedians can capture reality better than even politicians. Yeah. Like some of the best comedians, I mean, even Trevor Noah, he has Love his own him. show, yeah. right? And I think that people are actually finding more realness in the conversations that uh, comedians are starting than politicians and journalists. So are we saying that comedians need to start being more careful? Because obviously we live in a society now where a lot of people are more nitpicking what people do and say on social media platforms. Well, that's what I'm trying to say, the sensitivity. Mm -hmm. yeah. And unfortunately, that's the reputation that people have on the left now because of those people. Uh, and it distracts from the real issues that I guess progressives are trying to focus on in mm -hmm. tackling real yeah, issues. I just think people just need to get off Twitter and just go live in the real world. Like, I mm -hmm. think, well, but like, I think and also, world, like, the yeah. social media kind of, the job of social media is to kind of take extremes and amplify it to create, um, to get you engaged in the platforms. And, you start, and you it's working. Of, and it's working. And it, like, it's not creating healthy conversations. Um, and it's just causing further, um, further radicalization of people. Um, but, like, yeah, again, like, no one's stopping anyone from saying anything. I do think that um, overall, what what's that concept? Does uh, is it the people that influence the institution, or is it institution that influences the people? What either or, uh, what we're seeing that's taking transpiring on the internet and social media is now taking place in the in the classrooms and now affecting the young people and, and being taught certain things of uh, emotional intelligence rather than um, uh, focusing on like academics and stuff in the schoolroom and that transpires into a whole society of what just called pussies. I mean, I would, I would, disagree, I would, I would, just, I would disagree with that. Yeah. I think people learning about like, um, issues of like, um, you know, equity and like, you know, being basic, better human beings is gonna, you know, maybe make this world a little bit of a better place. Mm. 
It's true. It opens up our eyes more, especially because like going to university, there are so many different things that I never learned about. Intersectionality was mm-hmm. a big one, right? So learning about those things are very important. Um, it, it just gets goes down to what are we actually taking in, and what are like we get to pick and choose most of the information that how we hard believe is it in social media. Not to be a dickhead. You tell very me. Very hard for a <laughs> lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> like, how hard is it? You wake up and like, yo, very. I just want to be an asshole today. Like, yeah. Well, when the system was built on <laughs> bad things. Oh, maybe because it's just the color of my skin. I'm supposed to be uh, more polite to other people. Yikes. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> but I, I identify as white then. A lot of people have started Bonnie, saying that, you know. If only it was that easy. If only it was that easy. <laughs> Maybe color neutral. I'll start off with that. Color neutral. That's a new one. What do you identify as? I identify as color neutral. Color neutral. Talk to me nice. You can't see me. <laughs> I'm, a visible, I'm an invisible minority. Who let this guy All right. So Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but so it, this was home. an amazing discussion, though. Thank like, you for coming on, though. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, man. Uh, really appreciate you coming in. Uh, the panel loves you. And uh, yeah, uh, so I'll catch more about Gulid. 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 Yes. Gulid. That's my name. <laughs> it's just the fact that everyone went quiet. Like, I fucked up the man's name. Just wanted to be sure. <laughs> so, where can people find you? Yes. Um, just at Gulid Aral is my social for a lot of things. Um, and if you. Um, if you Continue. You can always just continue watching me do amazing things for Scarborough. Yeah, Scarborough's my home, and I'm gonna do everything I can to help you make it a better place. As you should. Bruh, bruh. All right, Aaron. That was our special guest, uh, Gulit. And uh, make sure you tune in next week for another episode of The Echo with your host Apollo P, Katie Atu, and Jeffrey. And make sure you follow up with Gula and everything he does politically and what he's doing inside the community. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. All right, we'll be back next time. Bye, y'all. Peace. Take care. Peace.